He's got too much pine tar. Welcome to another episode of Too Much Pod Tar. Slop and jalopy. They were doing the uh, the Chris Davis fishing for it. Might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he yeah, is. He's, he's out. Yes, Brett is out. Look at, look at this. Brett is out. And Steeman Matt. He is out. And having to be forcibly restrained from hitting plate umpire Tim McClellan. Too much pod tar. <laughs> way, way too much pod tar. I am your host, Alex Keeler. As always, here to bring you the latest news around baseball, and now this time of year, not just in the major leagues, but also college baseball and the World Baseball Classic that's been going on that started up this week. Some, you know, some sad news to report as far as like injuries are, you know, already begun to ramp up here in spring training uh, with just a couple weeks until the season begins, but. You know, it's exciting to have the season as close as it is. And, of course, you know, a lot of a lot of players, it's good to get the injuries out of the way now. Then they will have, you know, they'll be available at the end of the season. Well, they can, it'll be more likely they'll stay healthy, um, you know, once they get back from their opening, you know, their early season injuries, then they'll be able to be, be available for the you know the deep playoff runs for the for the teams that are going to be in the hunt, you know, so yeah. It's just before we get started, before we get into it, you can follow me on Twitter at alextbpk as always, and make sure to check out all the latest episodes that I've been coming out with. Uh, the last one I did was with Johnny Black and Raphael Negnowitzki. Talked about the opening games of the World Baseball Classic, some other things as far as, you know, we didn't really get to anything else in, around baseball, but we talked a lot about, you know, some of the teams that we're looking at is in the World Baseball Classic and all that stuff. So make sure to check that out. Make sure to check that episode out. All the other episodes I've done over the past, we've had a lot of episodes already, you know, since I started this podcast and be sure to check out all my articles on Third Down Thursdays. Have uh, check out my website, Baseball Prospect Kingdom, all the pro- baseball prospect stuff. Going to be writing something up before the season starts about the top, you know, the top performances from Major League Baseball's top prospects in spring training, and you know, news uh, as far as you know players coming up and. Stuff like that. I'll be writing about that, and also doing prospect lists. You know, team prospects lists. Probably to, like me and Johnny talked about top five. We're gonna just do top five because you know it just takes a lot of time and work to and research to get. You know, like I was trying to do that last year, top twenty or top thirty lists. It's just a lot. So top five we'll do, and then we'll list a couple others that we're gonna be keeping an eye out, <clears throat> eye out on, and then of course. <clears throat> Once the MLB draft is getting closer and closer, too, we're able to do some of that. We'll have some of that stuff coming out about those, the draft prospects. Video, we're, I want to try to get a lot of video stuff as well. I want to get started on doing more video content for that site and, you know, uh, breakdowns, you know, making this vi- this podcast into videos, uh, more videos. Try to do some of that stuff. So make sure you stay tuned right here to this podcast, to all those sites that I mentioned, to everything that gets going on here from my end. And I will be sure to get a lot of content rolling out 
that now that baseball season is, you know, pretty much underway at this point because, since I said, we have college baseball. We got the World Baseball Classic. We got a couple weeks until opening day for Major League Major League Baseball. So, yeah, it's an exciting time here. But uh, let's dive into some of the news. Uh, Carlos Rodon, unfortunately, is going to miss the beginning of the season for the Yankees. Uh, after already, you know, having a significant blow with Frankie Mont- Montas uh, going to, having to get sh- shoulder surgery, so, bleh, shoulder surgery, and now losing Rodon, their you know their top free agent signing outside of Judge, obviously, but you know going outside of the team itself, that was the o- that was the really only major free agent signing, you know, outside of Judge. So there was it's a huge loss, but he's not expected to miss much time. The Yankees have been really optimistic about it. He is only, you know, they said yesterday, really only currently only expected to be out for a week or or so, a week or two, something, miss a couple starts. So it's it definitely is kind of worrisome though with his injury history. Of course, he's had a long, he's had career long injury struggles. But, you know, they called it a mild forearm strain, and they're shutting him down. No, you know, no activity, no baseball activity for 7 to 10 days. Um, but he, Cash, Brian Cashman, the GM of the Yankees, mentioned yesterday about when they were going through this news that he, Rodon had already gone undergone an MRI, and he had no UCL damage, so that is definitely good news. You know, hopefully it sticks, stays that way. He gets, they don't, they, hopefully they don't rush him back. You know, obviously they're saying he's not going to miss much time, but I'm going to make sure that he's 100% because you don't want to rush him back and then risk more, worse injury. Obviously, if UCL, that's going to be, if you injure that, then that's, you know, that's base. that's most, in most situations, that's Tommy John surgery and that's missing, missing this whole entire season. That's missing the whole year and, Part of next year, missing a whole season after you sign him for a six-year, $162 million contract to be, you know, the the number two behind Garrett Cole, the Yankees' ace, of course. But hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they don't not rush him back because they need him for, you know, the playoff run. They're going to need him at the end of the season. So it's that's what it's all about. And he even made a comment about that. He's not here to pitch until the all-star break. He's here to pitch until October, into October. So it's, that's, that's like his way of thinking on it that he, you know, he's going to be back. He will be, he'll be back. And as long as they don't rush him, as long as they take their time with him coming back, make sure he's hundred percent. And especially with his injury history that they have him to at hundred percent for the rest of the year after that. Yeah. Just looking at some of his career numbers, of course, uh, you know, he's been one of the top pitchers in all of baseball when he is healthy. And so, cause over the last couple of seasons, he has a two, six, seven ERA. A 242 fit, 33.9% strikeout rate, and 0.998 whip over yeah, over the last two seasons. So that's you know that's something that the Yankees wanted to bring in. They want they needed to someone else to back up Cole. And but now this injury, of course, even if it is just a couple starts, you know it's gonna have it's gonna open things up for the Yankees rotation. They're they're gonna have 
some questions and concerns there to start out at least. They're not going to be 100%, obviously not going to be be able to kind of stick to that, you know, with that title of, you know, best rotation in baseball that, to start out when he's out because, you know, Garrett Cole had a great, he had a pretty great season last year. And he's obviously the ace, and he had a good, pretty good postseason as well. Kind of silenced some of the haters about him not having, not pitching well in postseason and all that stuff. And he's not good in, not good in big games or whatever, whatever people said. You know, a lot of doubters about him because of some of the thing, some of the performances he had where he got blown up to get, especially you know. Gets the rival in the Red Sox in 2021, of course, but he really kind of proved a lot of people wrong in the in the last year, and he was one of the top pitchers in baseball, and he will be that, that again this year. So he's obviously there. He's going to be the number one. You know, of course, I said Mont Frankie Montas is out as well, and he's not going to be back for a while, so they don't want to have him. They do have, obviously, Nestor Cortez Jr. He'll probably be the number two to start the season, while... We wait for Rodon to get back. The only thing is, <clears throat> with he was such a great pitcher last year, and I, you know, that the only thing, the only question is, can he replicate that? Can he, you know, he it did he overseed ex expectations last year? Did he pitch over his head? But I don't think he did. I mean, people are going to be question are going to be asking that question. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's the question that's going to be asked a lot I think you know how many innings is he going to be able to handle you know obviously last year being his first full season pitching you know start as a starter starter as a full-time starter that was his first season so does he can he handle the innings can he handle more innings than he did last year because obviously last at the end of the year they kind of started to not pitch him as much because they wanted to limit the innings you know I think maybe they can let they can let him loose a little bit more this year and you know the pitch clock is not going to be a factor for him since he works so quickly. He's he's one of the quickest pitchers in the in the league, and he the way all he does with his you know his quick pitches and all that stuff like trickery and getting pitch getting hitters off balance. So <clears throat> it's just is it sustainable? Is is all that stuff he does sustainable? Can he replicate that season that he had last year? I mean, even if he doesn't replicate it, can he have something similar? Can he be almost as good, if not as good or better? That's the only thing because it's just you haven't seen it for more than this last year. That was since I said that was his first year as a full-time starter. Other than that, you know, he kind of moved around a lot. He was with the Yankees, and then he went. He got got released from the Yankees or wait, put on waivers from the Yankees. He went to the, ended up going to the Orioles. He was moving around in the minor leagues. He was kind of lost. He found something. He he really did find something. He all of a sudden is has turned into a great pitcher. I just have to see it again to really know who he is as a pitcher, as a starter, because we haven't seen it for more than a season or two. We saw it when he was with the Yankees the first time. He was pretty good that during that run, and then he kind of went through some struggles and just you know you don't know. So we I I have to see it again. I I really hope he can replicate it. I really hope he can have something similar, something put up similar numbers, at least be you know almost as good as he was. But yeah, the, Nestor would be number two at the start of the season with Rodon out on the shelf. 
But then after that, it's kind of up in the air. Severino obviously will be there as well. Number three, probably most likely. And, you know, his, the question with him too is he's just hasn't been able to pitch a full season with the Yankees. He's always, you know, going through injuries. He's one of the best. He's he's really, as a number three, it's good. It's really solid to have him as a number three because he's really, he's has ace potential. He's pitched like an ace in the past. Before the Yankees signed Garrett Cole, the Yankees were really looking for Severino to be the ace, and he showed potential to be that ace, but, you know, injuries came up and missed, he missed seasons, he missed half parts of the seasons, and, um, just wasn't able to do that. But now as a number three, there's a lot less press, pressure on him. He pitched well last year when he was healthy and just can he stay healthy? That's the only thing that we need to be concerned about. I mean, obviously that's a lot of, that's a, that's with a lot of pitchers. That's with a lot of players. They need, they have to stay healthy. And when they are healthy, they are, you know, at the top of their game. They want some of the best players in the game, like, Injury riddled players, like even best player in the game, the greatest player in the game right now, Mike Trout. Or I guess you can make the argument for Otani right now, too. But Mike Trout, one of the top players in the game, one of the top players of all time. When it comes, when it's all said and done, Hall, future Hall of Famer, he's he's had trouble staying healthy during out his career, too. He missed a lot of time last year. And if he had stayed healthy, he would have been up there, right, right up there in with the race for the home run title I he could have he I think he would have had over 40 he would have been I don't know if he would have got close to 62 he wouldn't I don't know if he would have really been with the judge but I think he would have they would have been a bat there would have been a battle at the at least for part of the season I think he would have had over 40 home runs over 50 home runs even well he finished with what did he finish with I can't remember what he finished with how many home runs he finished with but he would have been, you know, healthy. He's, you know, he's one of the best players in the game, if not the best. You know, he's a super talented all-around player. Oh, yeah, he did finish with 40 home runs. I'm sorry. Yeah, he would have had, I think he would have had over 50 home runs. Would have been close to judge. Uh, he would have been going back and forth with him, I think, through the whole season. So, I, you know, he had 40 home runs. He played only 119 games. He had 40 home runs. He had 40 home runs, a 999 OPS, 178 OPS plus, 80 RBIs, 85 runs scored, and you know that's with only 119 games. That's missing that much time. If he has a full healthy season, he's basically right up there with you know going up against his teammate Otani. With you know he's he's in the MVP race every single healthy season. He's had even not healthy seasons because he finished eighth this past year. He finished eighth in the voting when he played 119 games. I mean, that's just nuts. That's that's nuts. Nobody else in baseball would play that. Miss 60 plus games and oh, eh, not 60 plus. Sorry, 40 plus. Yeah, miss 40 plus games and still finish top 10 in MVP voting. That's. I don't think there's any other player in the league that would do that. I really don't. Mike. Yeah, Mike Trout. I think is the only one. Maybe Otani because just of how much of a unicorn he is. But other than that, I don't think there's anyone else. I really don't. I re I really don't. Like, there's just the player he is because being able to put 40 home runs up in a season where he missed that many games, he's just insane. Like, just imagine if he had played the whole year, if he stayed healthy. If that's the only knock on him. That's the only knock on him that he hasn't been able to stay healthy because just looking back on his career, his MVP finishes. So 2012, his rookie year, he was obviously rookie of the year, and he finished 
runner-up in MVP. 2013, once again, runner-up in MVP. And then 2014, he was the, he won his first MVP. 2015, he was once again runner-up. And then he won again in 2016. He placed fourth in tw 2017, runner-up again in 2018, and then won another MVP in 2019. And then the shortened 2020 season, he finished fifth. And then 2021, of course, he was out for majority of the season, only played 36 games. That was the only, that was literally the only season he did not finish, he did not get any votes for the MVP because he only played 36 games. Yeah, that's just insane, insane, insane. You know, that's the last, this past season was obviously his lowest, his lowest finish in the MVP voting other than that 2021 season. His lowest finish in MVP voting is eight last year when he played 119 games. And, you know, but just looking at his career, you know, it's, you know, he plays, he played uh, 139 games, 157 back-to-back -back years, then 159 back-to-back -back years, then 114. And that 2017 year, that was, yeah, well, he only played 114 games in 2017 and finished fourth in MVP. He had, yeah, he had 33 home runs that year. He he was, he led, he led the majors in OPS, in OPS plus, the AL in OPB, and slugging, and intentional walks. You know, literally, 114 games, and he led it in all that. And he had 15... Intentional walks led the league, led the American League in intentional walks. When he played, he missed again over 40 games, like he did this past year. I mean, is this guy real? Is this is he like? Just think about it though. If he stays healthy, he would put up Barry Bonds type numbers. Barry Bonds on steroids type numbers. He is Barry Bonds without steroids. I like. If you could just imagine those numbers, he would have put up if he had stayed healthy those two years. 2017, 2000, and then last year, 2022, 2020, yeah. Because this, <clears throat> he is just so good, and I just wish he would stay healthy. I wish the Angels would build more around him and get them get him to the fucking playoffs again. Like, are you serious right now? You're wasting the talent of Otani and Trout. The two, probably the two best players in the league right now, overall. And literally wasting them. They're wasting away, and I don't know, it's just, it's... It's it's just sad. It's just really sad. But anyway, some of the other injury news. Uh, with the, as far as the Yankees too, um, Rodon's not the only one. They also will have Tommy Canley, who they just brought back in the offseason, and Lou Trevino. Were all, they both so starting the year on the IL? So they were, you know, the Yankees would be a little bit lacking a little bit as far as their bullpen to start the year missing two big pieces like that but they have a lot of you know they have a lot of depth in their bullpen as well they have guys in in the minor leagues that will be able to come up and provide some innings you know they got the guy like Clark Schmidt who could also make some spot starts in the rotation but mostly he was used as a as a reliever last year so he's he's a guy that can throw in the bullpen Domingo Herman of course but you know those two also are going to be battling for a rotation spot with you know the injuries to the rotation, so one of those two will probably be in the rotation, which I'm assuming is going to be Herman, just because you know he's had he's had more experience in that sense. You know he's been in the in the in rotation more often, and was more of a sec rotation guy other than 
not like because and then he ended up moving to the bullpen but you know a guy like schmidt he's more of he's been more of a reliever they kind of transitioned him to be more of a reliever and kind of a i guess more of a swing guy you would say you could say but you know you also have david garcia garcia who really really struggled last year and got end up getting he was in triple a and but then got he was struggling so much they sent him down to double a and i mean Cashman mentioned him as an option. It's just, is it, what is, what are we going to see from him? I just, I don't know. Like, is he going to be able to find himself again? And, you know, he added another pitch last year and maybe that can help. Maybe that can help bring him more, bring him more success. We'll have to see. That could be an option though. Uh, potential option, give him a start, a spot start here and there. Let's see what he does with it. You know, you don't know until you try. Uh, but, you know, with these injuries to the bullpen, it just sucks because they also already have, they also are, are going to be without a Scott Efros, of course, who they traded for last year at the deadline from the Cubs. He was going to miss the whole season due to undergoing Tommy John surgery. So they're going to be without him. He was good. He was really good down the stretch until he got injured. And so, but other than that, they have guys, you know, that they can rely on. Of course, Clay Holmes, who was the closer and then got that, who, he took the closer spot from a Rose Chapman, who is no longer on the Yankees, thank God, and now came into camp, like, fucking slipped or some shit and got injured. So, good riddance. But anyway, you got Clay Holmes, who took that closer role from... Chapman last year and then lost it because he was you know he ended up going through struggles he ended up almost looking like his pirate self um but he was still not that bad I guess not as bad as the pirates year uh, when he was with the pirates but um hopefully he can find he can get back to form find his form from last you know first half of last year, first third of last year, and where he was just a dominant, dominant closer. And you got Michael King, Wandy Peralta, guys that can throw innings, uh, Jonathan Loizaga, who could definitely work his way into the mix for the late-inning roles. Um, he's got great stuff. He struggled last year with a 4.15 ERA, 95 ERA+, plus, 48 innings, um... And he's his walk. He's just he was his he couldn't get his control back. He lost his control walk rate of nine point four percent, eighteen point two percent strikeout rate. So it just was a struggle for him. But they can also look towards options on the free agent market for relievers because they still have. Got, you know, they have a former Yankee, Zach Britton, still on the market. You know, maybe they potentially bring him back. And Corey Knable is another guy that's on the market. As far as bringing depth in for the rotation, starting rotation as well, they have those guys like Dylan Bundy, Chris Archer, that they can bring in for minor league deals and give him a shot, see what they do. You know, it's never a bad thing to bring in somebody for a minor league deal, as bring in somebody on a minor league deal because... It's not any risk. You're not risking anything. You're not bring, giving them a bunch of money. You're giving them a chance. You're giving them, signing them to minor league deal, dashing them in the minors, and then if anything else happens, injuries, ha other injuries happen, you can call them up and 
you have the depth, you have the because because of what they did last year, that the trade deadline, because of trading away all their pretty much all their pitching depth in the minor leagues, all their pros, all their top prospects, or my, not all of them, but a lot of their top pros, pitching prospects, they traded away for the guy that's going to be on the injured list to begin the season or for a lot of the season. And Frankie Montas, they trade a lot of the depth for him. And so now they have to bring, we have to bring back that, they have to build up that depth again. Uh, of course, well, some of that's going to be with signing veterans and to minor league deals, like, you know, you know, aging veterans that aren't really worth anything anymore, but have the potential to throw innings here and there, give the Yankees options. So that's, those are the things that they can look at signing veterans but also you know with the draft of course getting guys in the upcoming draft who of course you're not going to see for a few years but you know they got they have to get a lot more they have to get more pitching depth in their system overall you know as far as prospects go they just really lost a lot of it last year like i said in that trade you know lost a good one in that scott efros trade in west nesky hayden west nesky but majority of that was ended up being that trade. They just I I can firmly say that I it might sound like a flaming hot take, but that trade I think is going to end up being worse than the trade for IKF and Josh Donaldson. Okay, I don't know what how that sounds, but just I know that sounds insane. I know that sounds crazy because IKF and Josh Donaldson, like, well, are you crazy? Both of them have been kind of awful for the Yankees, especially Donaldson. I know. The best best ability is availability, okay? And Montas is not available. I know that Josh Donaldson sucks at hitting. He's washed up. I know he... But he has good third, third base defense. He plays very well at third base. He provides a lot of strong defense. He's... That's it. Sorry. That's all I can say. I mean, that's one... That's the only good thing about him, but... He's available. He's there. He provides a... He shows up, okay? He's there. I mean, he's not just there because I said his defense. IKF, okay, you can say his defense sucks. He shouldn't be the starting shortstop. He definitely should not be the starting shortstop to open the season. No, not even... Do not not for the whole season at all. He should be on the bench. He should be a guy that's... He's a. I think he's a solid utility guy. He can come into games, and if somebody gets hurt or whatever, just go and play in the infield position, shortstop. He, play, he can play third base, too. And he's actually better at third base than he is at short. He plays better defense there. And at the plate, you know, he's not going to provide a lot of power, not a lot of slugging, but he can hit the ball. He puts the bat on the ball. He makes okay contact. Gets hits. He he walks. He's got good speed. He's not the best player in the goddamn world. He's not even close. He's not even top 700 in the world. Well, I don't know if that's crazy or not. How many players are in the major leagues? However many major players are in the major leagues, he's not top that. But, okay, well, he's better than Donaldson. That's all I gotta say. He's better at hitting than Donaldson. He can actually put the ball, the bat on the fucking ball. And not fucking miss a curveball that's right down the goddamn plate by 700 feet. But anyway, swing at something like so far out of the zone, all the way in the dirt. But anyway, I don't know what the hell I'm going, what tangent I'm going on today. But, you know, this podcast is too much pod tar. We always go on tangents here, too much tangents. 
And I'm here by myself today on this podcast. Just kind of wanted to rant a little bit. Got a lot of things to rant about, so, you know, just kind of ranting on. But it's, you know, I think the Montage trade is just terrible. Terrible, terrible. I didn't want them to do it when they did it. I didn't think it was a good idea to trade for a guy that wasn't even healthy last year. Like, when they traded for him, he was still fucking hurt. Like, what the fuck? We needed pitching. We, the Yankees needed pitching, but they don't, like, you need a guy that's going to be available, not a guy that's going to be, you know, even when he was healthy too last year, when he was pitching, he sucked because of the injury. Because he just, I, don't, I can't put it into words. I don't know what, what how to say it, but it just, it's unbelievable what, like that, the whole time last year, I wanted to trade for Luis Castillo. I know it would have taken a fucking haul, and it did take a fucking haul from the Mariners. But at least you don't trade fucking half your pitching depth in the minor leagues. You don't trade all your fucking top level pitching prospects for a guy that couldn't even stay healthy and isn't healthy still. So, you know, Josh Donaldson sucks at hitting. IKF sucks at fielding, but Josh Donaldson is pretty good at defense. IKF is pretty good at putting the ball in the putting the bat in the ball. So maybe you should combine IKF and Josh Donaldson into one player and they'd be a half-decent player. Maybe that's what they have to do. They have to put the best of Josh Donaldson's defense and put the best of IKF together and make one player and see what happens with that. You know, I think he'd still be a bench player, but it'd still be a solid bench player, somebody they can put, on, put in there at third or short in a pinch, and it wouldn't be bad. It would not be bad. But I swear to God, if they start IKF at shortstop in, on opening day, I'm going up to Brian Cashman's office. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to his office. That's it. You you cannot start IKF on opening day. You cannot start IKF ever at short, at least. You have Oswald Peraza, who they start, he they screwed with last year. They, they called him up at the end of the year. You know, they should have called him up sooner than that. And then they didn't even put him at, they put him at short for like a game, and then they fucking put IKF back. And then in the playoffs, too. Now is when we're going to figure out, oh, IKF sucks. After he has an error the previous game, we're, oh, we're going to take him out now, put Peraza in, put all this pressure on Peraza, on a rookie now in the playoffs instead of putting him there for the whole entire month of September when you should have, when you called him up, that was when you were supposed to put him at short and give him a whole month at short. And even when he had all this pressure on him and put it, he all of a sudden starting at shortstop, in game fucking two of the ALDS, or was it the, I don't remember if it was the ALDS or ALCS, but whatever. He, even when he had all this pressure on him, he was much better than, he actually played fucking unbelievable. He made great plays at short hitting. He's a rookie, and he's way better than IKF. Not to mention the fact they also have Anthony Volpe, who's been raking this freaking spring, and should be on the opening day roster. I agree with David Cohen when he said that. He should start, he, sh he should start it, like, if you're gonna have Peraza too, it's, you can't start both of them at short, obviously, but Volpe's, I think Volpe's future is at third, Peraza's going to stick at short because he's great there. Volpe, if the Yankees had any goddamn balls, they would put Anthony Volpe, the Yankees' number one prospect, at third base. Boot Josh Donaldson to the fucking sun. I don't care how much money you have to fucking eat. You're a fucking millionaire. Brian Cashman. Put, boot him to the fucking sun. Put Anthony Volpe, your number one prospect, a prospect that you did not trade, especially since you didn't trade him. You need to fucking play him when he's been playing well 
Give him a goddamn shot. Give Peraza the shot he deserves. Play him at short and move forward with letting the fucking kids play, all right? Because it's... I've had enough of this bullshit. IKF was a fucking stopgap shortstop. And now the gap is stopped because now these prospects are here and they're ready to take the fucking reins of the left side of the infield. They should be the present and the future, and they should have been the past. Or at least Barraza should have been the shortstop for the whole entire month of September last year. And then in the playoffs, IKF is okay. He's okay. He's not terrible. He sucks at defense, yes. But he's not a bad, you know, bench player. He's not a bad, you know, super utility guy or whatever. Not super utility. Just utility. Well, just plain utility. Let's put it that way. He's a decent utility guy. Have him on the bench. And when you need somebody to play shorter third in a pinch or even pinch run because he's a solid runner, then use him for that. But do not, in any circumstances, start him at shortstop on opening fucking day. And do not put Josh Donaldson anywhere near a fucking bat. Do not, I mean, as much as his defense is great, who fucking gives a shit how good your defense is if you can't fucking hit a side of a fucking boat if you fucking looked at it with both your fucking eyes, if you had 17 eyes, and you didn't fucking, you couldn't make contact if you had 18 fucking eyes. I don't even know what that fucking means, but you know what it does mean? It just means that Josh Donaldson is the worst fucking hitter I've ever fucking seen. If you put him anywhere near a goddamn bat, let him stand there. Don't even let him swing. Let him fucking stand there and look at every goddamn pitch. Maybe he'll get lucky and get a couple walks here and there, but he won't strike out 700 times in a fucking season, okay? Anthony Volpe, you know what he's done this spring training? He's been putting up, and I know it's spring training, I know the spring training numbers are always skewed, and you know what? I don't fucking care. This is your top prospect. Oswald Peraza, too, He's he was a top prospect before he's, you know, rookie limit ran out. He, you know, you, these guys, you held on to. You didn't trade either one for pitching last year. For Luis Castillo, you could have probably traded Peraza and a couple other prospects for Luis Castillo. But, you know what? You didn't. And that's fine. That's fucking fine. But you know what's not fine if you hold on to them and then you don't play them. So if you seriously look at these two guys, look what Anthony Volpe's done in this fucking spring training. See what Oswald Peraza has done since last year. When he came up, I know, Anthony Volpe struggled when he came up to AAA last year. He didn't he didn't play that well. But you know fucking what? Players, you know, players don't always start off that well. They struggle, okay? But this is your top prospect you're talking about here. This is a guy that you held on to for a fucking reason. Now show me that reason. Show me why. Sh don't fucking prospect hug and then bury the prospects and don't give him a shot play IKF and Josh Donaldson on the left fucking side of the infield because that's just you're contradicting yourself if you held on to prospects you held them on you held on to them for a reason because they're supposed to be the next you know they're supposed to be the next dynasty they're supposed to be creating the next dynasty for the Yankees they're supposed to be a part of that so you held on to them now what are you gonna do with it I ask of you, Brian Cashman, and the Yankees front office. You're the ones who are making the decisions. Aaron Boone has nothing to do with fucking anything of this. You're telling him what to do with these players. You decide if they're going to be in, on the Yankees roster or in AAA, buried in AAA for the fucking rest of the season, 
until you call him up into September and then put him on the fucking bench. And then, when IKF makes an error in Game 2 of the ALDS, or Game 1, or whatever the fuck it was, then you put him at shortstop on the biggest fucking stage, okay? Okay?